0: I like to to try to find people's gifts and talents. Um, That comes back with my education background. I've been a teacher. So I'm always looking to try to figure out how how are you wired? How how are you best um, fulfilled? And how can we find a way to help you feel that in service through the Republican Party. Pod
1: BN.
2: Three, two, one, here we go. From the Play Normal Esports Studio, this is Pod BN. I am Tyson. My name is Justin. And today we have Connie Beard, the chair of the McLean County Republican Party, here to chat with us about what's going on in the in her world. Before we get to that, though, uh, Justin, can you give us a word from our sponsor?
1: Yeah, we're at Play Normal Esports. This is where we record the podcast each and every time, so we want to make sure you check them out at playnormalesports.com. A uh, heads up, uh, next Friday on the 16th, they're going to have a Smash Brothers tournament from 6 to 10. Very popular event, so call and make reservations if you need to. You can do that at 309 379 8665, Play Normal Esports.
2: And I also had one special en- uh, request for an announcement today: uh, Sophie Chung's birthday is on Thursday, and apparently she listens to the podcast. So, uh, so happy
1: birthday, Sophie! She's, uh, one, she's one of the
2: five. So, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and with that, we'll uh, will um, talk to Gani. Hey, thanks for uh, joining us today.
0: Oh, it's my pleasure. I commend you, gentlemen, for taking on such a venture and allowing people to come and share their heart and love for this county. Oh, thanks.
1: It's been fun so far. I think our last one that we did together was Steve Sees, who's the chair. of Libertarian Party in town, mm-hmm. so that kind of kicked us off thinking we should uh, invite you on. And then I know we've extended a uh, invitation to Eric Rankin as well. We're just trying to work schedules out with that, but yeah. we appreciate you taking your time on a Sunday to come talk to us. So thank well, you.
0: Well, appreciate you all are giving up your Sunday to do this as well. Yeah. So
1: well, yeah. we thought this was a
2: good. Uh, Hopefully early enough before the national elections that <laughs> we can have a, like, an actual conversation and the political silly season hasn't started in, in too heavy a swing.
0: But, there, uh, are, there are You would think that there would be pacings to all of this crazy political world, but I'm, I'm learning as I've been serving in this position that it doesn't really stop. In yeah. times. I'm not. It, it kind of goes on and on. All but the time. T- taking a different pace with it is good. So can you just start
2: by telling us about uh, how you became uh, interested in being the chair of the party and what
0: that entails? Well, my husband and I have lived here for about 30 years, raised our children here, and um, I was always of a political interest. I grew up, I'm from Texas, and I grew up in a family that had always had a a lot of interest in the politics, but um, no one had ever really, none of my family had really gotten that involved. Uh, although I do have an aunt that is was a mayor of Pasadena, California, and so maybe I'm genetically clinked <laughs> to politics. But it wasn't until the 2008 election that I became um, aware that if I felt like I had a right to. Um, a voice and opinion to uh, try to urge for things to be different, that I needed not to sit on the sidelines in the comfort of my own home, but to get out and get involved. So I started volunteering. I started helping out at the Republican office in whatever way they needed, whether it was answering a phone call or helping to take do polls or uh, just manning the desk And when people came into the office. Um, and then I started being asked to manage bigger projects, uh, such as our outreach events, packed picnic and and dinners, and then I was privileged to be asked by Erica Harold to run and manage her county campaign uh, when she ran for Congress against Rodney Davis. That was my first venture into full active mode, Um, and we, um, I felt, ran a very successful campaign for her. Uh, She actually won McLean County in that primary. Um, And so that started opening door after door, different times, and I was invited to be um, on the board, the executive board for McLean County Republicans, and I served under John Parrott. He was chairman, and then Chuck Erickson mm-hmm. was uh, chairman. Um, then, I, a year or so ago, I was asked to consider whether or not I would be willing to put my hat in the ring to be chairman. And so I, my husband and I talked about it and prayed about it very carefully and felt like there was a need for... Uh, a, a different approach. Not different in the sense that things were going wrong, but things that were changing in the political climate. And so a different approach was going to be needed to balance what we wanted to do as Republicans. So uh, I put my hat in the ring, and the convention was held a year and a half ago, and the precinct committee men voted and selected me as chairman. And so I jumped in head first ankle deep yeah. <laughs> uh, into the role. and um, I've, I've been very happy and satisfied with the, with it so far not without its challenges but. <laughs> So far, so good.
1: What kind of surprises have you had since you came on board? I mean, you always think you know what it's going to be like <laughs> until you get in a position like that.
0: Well, I, I maybe I should preface with that. you being raised in the South. Mm-hmm. Um, you're raised to try to treat each other with um, being polite and, and, and the old-fashioned word of genteel. You know, you just want to be polite and civil and, and courteous to one another. You know, it's yes, ma'am, yes, sir, You know, those sorts of, of terms are part of what you're brought up to believe. In treating one another and when I came became chairman I would describe our political climate in our county as being very civil being differing opinions but you know a little bit of ruffle here and there in terms of attitudes and behavior but nothing that was out of extreme but as someone coined a phrase and said that when I stepped in as chairman it wasn't so soon after that that we were Pearl Harbor in the sense of the tone changed dramatically and um, and so that has been probably the surprise that I've had to deal with, and recognizing the tone and manner of um, the opposition has taken more of the Chicago-style politics rather than what we here in McLean County um, would like to see and prefer to see in their tone and manner of dealing with one another.
1: What does, uh, what, what's your definition of Chicago-style politics?
0: Being willing to label and use names and underhanded tactics and false and and taking a truth and twisting it so that it is perceived not in the way it's not in the real fact and but in and and however will suit the political need. Um, I think that that's one of the key components that we see has have always seen in in Chicago politics uh, is that there's no no holes barred. You know the the win is what's the the important issue, not what is good for the people in terms of the right policy decisions that were made.
1: What I have seen, uh, what I've noticed, and talked about with friends before is uh, since twenty sixteen ish, I've seen in politics. I think always in the um, when you're in public you're going to disagree. You know, if you're a Republican, you're a Democrat, or even if you're in the same party, but in a primary, you're going to have those disagreements mm-hmm. and you're going to kind of combat each other a little bit in public because that's what's, that's what's needed to show that what your view, how your view is different. Mm-hmm. But what we have had in the Klan County, I think in the past that may be getting lost in, from my point of view, is is that, is that, still res- mutual respect for each other behind the scenes. Um, you know, to look at someone when, if you're on the county board or city council or d- differing mayors and say, you know, I disagree with you on this, uh, but we can still go have coffee afterwards. Um, that's what I think is lost. What do you, would, do, would you agree with that? And then what do you contribute that to?
0: I do agree with that. I do agree that that even though you can have opposing ideas with someone, if, you, if you're if w- you if you put too much of a wall between the two of you, then or three of you, or a group, you're not able to, to communicate, and are not going to be very effective. It becomes a war. It mm-hmm. becomes a battle. Um, I really attribute the change, and I won't say that Republicans are innocent in all of this. They're not. I'm not. I'm not claiming that. We made mis- there are mistakes made. Mm-hmm. Uh, attitudes and feelings get hurt. But because the tactics started changing, in our, from our opposition, I think our our, our Republican base here, our Republican uh, members here in the county, were taken aback at first. They were because we had not had that kind of treatment before. There had not been that kind of dialogue happening before, where it was accusatory and and being very. Um, low handed in so many ways so that has that that threw people into a defensive posture and what we need to do is to get both sides away from this defensive posture and to work for the good of the people and make, make wise choices and decisions that and, and it's going it's not going to be easy to get keep getting past that because we still keep having Roadblocks thrown up, and attitudes thrown up that will make it make it difficult. But we we can't give up. <laughs> I still have been very invested in this community. Yeah. Uh, I have grandchildren now in this community that I want them to be able to st- grow up and find jobs and stay here. Uh, so, uh, unlike we're seeing so much of the community and so much of the state, people leaving. They're they're leaving. They they, they don't want to be here anymore because of the of what's happening in our state we're not I'm not leaving my husband and I are not leaving we're here and so we're, we're going to work hard to try to restore the kind of of civil discourse and exchange of ideas in a way that can be beneficial to our community. And
1: how much do you think the media has played, and I'm not just talking traditional media, but just the way the media has changed with Facebook and comments on on articles and and those type of things, because that makes it so the debate or the meeting or whatever we're talking about never really ends. You know, you have a before you could have a county board meeting, for example, disagree during the meeting, and like I said, go out for a beer at Rosie's afterwards uh, and, and talk about the differences a little bit, but now that debate's ongoing 24 hours a day, seven days a week online, uh, whether it is Facebook or Twitter or comments on the Mm Panagraph or on a JBC article, Mm -hmm. how much of that do you think has to play in, in that evilness that we're seeing between
0: well I, I think it contributes greatly I mean it's a two-edged sword the social media is can be a blessing in sharing information and and encouraging people and but it's obviously a cutting sword from the other in the sense of of um, being divisive and actually being a wounding element that is hard to recover words are powerful. Mm-hmm words have an impact and to not be willing to start by agreeing on definition of terms and having exchange of real ideas, we're, we're shortchanging ourselves. We're, we're, we're shortchanging the ability to move forward in our community and solve problems together in our community. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that we've got to be able to get past that. We've got to be able to... Uh, Acknowledge that your your ideas are are worth hearing as much as my ideas are, Um, but until we start willing to share the ideas and their and let them stand on their own merits, and not surround them with labels and terms and slanders and and negative um, evaluations, then we're not going to make much progress.
2: I'm glad I'm glad to hear you say that because I. I've been talking politics with um, you know, conservative friends and neighbors a lot more since the 2016 election to try mm-hmm. to get out of my bubble because I tend to lean left. I consider myself moderate left. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I've been trying to understand um, you know other people's perspectives a lot more and get out of my bubble. And it's so fascinating to me to hear, like... Because the things you said about the tone and the name calling and the not not being linked to truth, like that's the exact same thing that I hear Democrats saying about the Republicans. And so there's there's some kind of divide where both of us feel um, on either side of it like there's inappropriate behavior, um, but then like trying to pick away like what what is that like you know um, iron curtain <laughs> that's between it that's that's that or what is that. Um, what, or maybe another way, like, what, tor- what sort of um, words are being or tone is being interpreted differently by different people or, or things like that? And it's, just, it's exactly why we wanted to do this podcast is because there's, there's very little place for people to actually just talk through it and try to see, like, hey, when I say this, how, like, does that upset you? Am I, are you upsetting me by saying this and to try to, like, get through that, you know? People
0: can be saying the same word, the same term, and have totally different definitions of it. Yeah, yeah. you know, I come from a very multicultural experience in my life. I've lived, grew up in South Texas, lived on the border. My husband was military. We lived. My my dad traveled a lot. We traveled a lot through Central America. We lived overseas. I've lived on both coasts, so I've I've been able to experience people communicating in a lot of different. Manners and little different tones, and depending on how you're brought up, in what part of the country you're brought up, in your life experiences, you may have a totally different definition of a, of a term or a word mm-hmm. than what I may have because mm-hmm. of my experience. So, we have to kind of start with being willing to say how are we defining th- these issues? What, How does it boil down to the true definition? Can we agree on that to begin with? Mm-hmm. And then you can start to have a building process by which you can find solutions together. Yeah. I truly believe that part of our problem lies in the fact that people focus so much on a national plane. And we're neglecting what happens right here in our own county and realizing we're dealing with people that we live with, we work with, we see every day, we pass in the street. And we need to be not letting what's happened on a national level impact our desire to communicate with one another and solve problems on a local level. Mm -hmm. And I think too many people bring what's happening on a national plane into our local politics, and that's where we probably need to start trying to back away from.
1: So that leads me to a question I was going to ask, so I'll go ahead and, and skip it to, skip forward to that. What do you think the role of a count, local county party is in um, in in the election process? I mean, what's the number one priority, and then what are some of the other things that the county leadership should do in a party?
0: Well, we have, um, I mean, you're talking in terms of the Republican Party and how I view. Obviously, we have partisan elections here on the county level, Mm -hmm. and we have Republican principles that we believe are solid principles that governments should operate by, that serve the people well, that have historically served the people well, and that, that... Added, those are the principles by which we should be uh, making our decisions and seeking out candidates that can align up with those those principles and helping them to be elected into office. Helping to communicate those principles to the voters so they can look for themselves and try to see is this what I want to have representing me or are these principles what I align with or are these principles what I align with. And yes you would mentioned earlier that there's a range within any given party. There's a range within the Republican Party there's a range within the Democratic Party there's a range within the Libertarian Party and they're independents and they haven't a clue what they're thinking so you know it's just just a matter of, of trying to recognize that there are many varied ideas and we should constantly be striving to come up with the best idea regardless of the source.
1: So are you saying forward. Finding, candidates for, finding candidates for partisan elections would be the, one of the number one priorities of, of that.
0: that? That and communicating with their voters okay. what the principles are that are at stake in mm-hmm. any given election. Yeah. Um, and... Supporting the candidates and communicating with the voters. Um, sometimes there are issues that we've seen that we believe we've taken on, as a, taken the mantle mm-hmm. on, such as in the 2018 election about the Bloomington Election Commission. Yeah. that was, uh, but that was a, a bipartisan effort. The Libertarians and the Republicans joined together, and some Democrats too, mm-hmm. joined together to help push that forward mm-hmm. to the people. Um, so, although there are probably. The top two would be the you know the, the Republican candidates and and uh, elected in the county level, as well as communicating principles to the voters. There's a lot of other things that keep coming into play. That as, and, as I learn the the ropes
1: and <laughs> national politics always has a way to sneak its way in there as well. I mean anytime uh, you know we had mass shootings over the uh, last couple of weeks, and so anytime something like that happens and it gets the coverage it gets on the national level, it's going to trickle down, and they're going to start act asking local officials what they think about different policy. Well,
0: Admittedly, there are some issues that that can come into play in a local level, and you know the the. Um the issue of, of uh, what how we handle gun registrations and those sorts of things can fall into a local realm. Um, the state is probably the most uh, uh, accountable for that, for those policies, but...
1: Um, well, another one, I mean, Im- immigration is one that we've seen uh, go from a national issue to a local issue over the last couple of years,
0: so... Very much so, yeah. very much so. Taking, and, 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 and it's concerning that we have local entities that will s- seem to try to usurp what the national policy is and the national law is. And that does, uh, you know, having grown up on the border, yeah. I, I, I do have a particular view about that because sure. <laughs> I, li- I have friends and family living on the border. And so how we deal with immigration, uh, Ill- the, uh, immigra- people crossing the border illegally, uh, is, is an issue that should be dealt on a national level because we have borders up and down, you know, they're they're beyond what a single state can take care of. And so it is concerning to see municipalities and even states trying to tear away from the federal government what their rightful role is in protecting our borders and and governing our immigration process.
1: So let's jump back. How long have you been chair currently? Do you...
0: Let's see. What month is this? This is August? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it was a year ago, April. Okay. So a year and four so that five was months.
2: Af- that was right after the 2016
0: election. Then... No, that yeah, no, that that was well after it was the twenty. It was uh, twenty eighteen is 2018. when I was okay. was uh, elected as chairman. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, it's it a two a year, year term. The, the chairmanship is a two year term. Mm-hmm. So what will happen is come this um, next March, there will be at the primary. Uh, there will be election of Republican precinct committeemen. Uh, will be on the ballot, and those elected public Republican precinct committeemen will come together in convention in April and choose their leadership. Moving, you know for the next two-year term.
1: How do you compare your experience as chair so far to your two predecessors in Parrott and Erickson? Uh, what are some similarities and differences?
0: I think we are all three solid, conservative Christian people. I, I do seek guidance in my my spiritual relationship and God's guidance in, in his word to, to help me Wisely choose the best decision in all in all things, and I believe John Parrott and and, and Chuck Erickson were the same. So we're very we're very much alike in that re- regard. Um, different personalities, uh, different approaches in dealing with people. Uh, I I like to bring people together and really have solid discussions and exchange of ideas. I like to to try to find people's gifts and talents. Um, that comes back with my education background. I've been mean, a yeah so I'm always looking to try to figure out how how, how are you wired mm-hmm. how how are you best um, fulfilled and how can we find a way to help you feel that in service through the Republican Party. And bringing into this is trying to tap into more people. I've been thrilled with the increase in membership we've had in the last year and a half. Uh, We had 20 new volunteers from the Clayton County Fair this last week alone. We had people coming in and signing up and saying, we want to help, we want to be involved. Mm -hmm. Uh, The the challenge now comes in processing those people and not letting them just fall to the wayside, but to find their gifts and their strengths. Uh, Not everybody wants to knock on doors, but... uh, we find a way that we can get people involved and, and equip them with the tools they need to to do their best job. I, I find that very satisfying, yeah. and so I think that's been a focus in my chairmanship. I hope that people have have think is a value, and and uh, I guess we'll find out again in April whether the uh, yeah. Republican Party continues to want to do that.
2: That's something that's so great about local involvement too is that you look at the national politics and it's like watching a reality tv show right you know like technically i care but like what can i really do about this and where and if somebody does have an interest in being involved locally like you can get them you know what what are your strengths are you a numbers person are you a marketing person are you a people person you know um What hours are you available and you can find some way for somebody to make a difference in something that matters to them here Um, again one of the things that drives us that we talk about here too is just letting people know what all is going on in bloomington because there's such a wide range of things that are happening
0: that you, you you're not aware of mclean county is one of the richest counties blessed in so many ways and i'm not talking dollar value, but in the richness of experiences out there. Uh, why so many people who had graduated from ISU and Illinois Wesleyan found their way back to Bloomington to raise their families mm-hmm. because they got out into the rest of the world and realized there's a lot of things that aren't family family. And this is a great com- has been a great community to do that. So we're just working hard to try to keep Keep that quality alive in our in our area.
2: So you said you became um, to go back to what we were first talking about. I made a note here to follow up. You said you got real interested in being involved in 2008. Mm -hmm. Um, So my my assumption then would that be related to the Tea Party movement?
0: Was that? I actually no. I was not. I did not consider myself. I I appreciated very much what the Tea Party was trying to do. Okay. But the whole concept of. the taxation uh, focus has always been part of the Republican Party, and I have considered myself a Republican from the very beginning, uh, for as long as I can remember, back to the very first ballot cast. Mm-hmm. Um, and growing up in Texas, it was an interesting time because Texas initially was a Democratic state, and my family, um, you know, the, we were not exactly that— that uh, common to find as many Democrat, uh, Republicans, but that has changed and continued to change over the course of our time growing up there. And of course now there's still there's very much a strong Republican voice in Texas. Mm-hmm. So I, um, I in 2008 when I I, I actually became very concerned about um, um, President Obama being elected. That he, I, I had a, I actually wrote a, that uh, wasn't quite a dissertation, but it was a, a pretty lengthy r- uh, research paper on. The fallacies and, and that were being promoted through his campaign, and why it was going to be a mistake to have him elected. Um, now, I was not—I'm not one to say he was—he he was elected, duly elected by the by the public. So he became my president, and I would not take a, a motive of well, I'm just going to attack him and try to tear him down every moment I can. That's counterproductive. That's not for the good will of our country to do that. Um, but I was very much saying, well, I, how can I complain about something that's happening in our elect- in our political process if I'm sitting on the sideline at home watching the TV news report mm-hmm. and doing nothing more? I have to get out and start getting involved. Um, and I suspect that for a lot of people it is more of a reaction on the negative side which is a sad commentary so to be honest about yeah. why do we wait until things get bad and we don't yeah. like them to start start uh, doing trying to do something about it but well, that's the case
1: that's I mean I think that's what you could uh, attribute a lot of the um, up swing on the local Democrats is is because they see that same thing in Trump. Um, and so when, when you have someone that they couldn't imagine getting elected from their point of view get elected, like, well, we can't sit here any longer. And that's mm-hmm. what we've heard when we've talked to, the, to, to those folks as well. So I, th- what you're saying makes sense. You saw President Obama get elected um, who is counter to what you believe and uh, how the direction you think the country should go, and that's what motivated you to get involved.
0: I think, and I, But I think my, my concern, we've, talk, we've got to come back and swing around to the whole concept of the media's role mm-hmm. in all of this. I don't know that anyone would say or could truthfully say that the media has not played a key role in the last two and a half, three years of the negative perception that people have of President Trump. 97% of the news reporting done by major media outlets is negative about President Trump. You flip that and look at the percentage of, of media reporting on President Obama, totally different. Very little negative reporting on President Obama. So we're going to say that these two presidents are so totally, horribly different that one was almost perfect and the other one is completely not? I, I,
1: I'll, I'll, I'll challenge just slightly okay. and say... I don't disagree with the statement that the media is definitely more negative towards Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I can agree with that. But also, they have—this <laughs> is my opinion—I think they have more to work with from a personal standpoint. I, th- I find us—I find the media talking very little about actual policy and what gets done uh, in the White House now compared to maybe eight mm-hmm. weeks or I'm sorry, eight years ago. Um, but also, they give the media more. He gives media more ammunition, right? I mean, he says the things that get the attention and get the clicks on the website, so they have to report on the 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 one statement he said that was, sounds ridiculous. I mean, President Obama didn't have that. He was very well-spoken, whether you believe in his policies or not. He was a very well-spoken president. So he didn't give them that kind of ammunition to use. And
0: I think that's probably the distinction between how President Trump is governing and how President Obama did. President Obama was very guarded, very well-scripted, very, very rarely have we caught him, did we catch him speaking off-note or off-prompter. Trump is just speaking from his heart a lot of times and speaking as as honestly as he knows how. Is it sometimes like a longshoreman? Yeah. <laughs> is it sometimes kind of a rough way to deal with people? Yeah. Is it the way I would? No. Yeah. I, I don't want to. Do, but, but. But I think you, that that
1: helps go back to the, what you, what you were saying about media too. though. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's you know if the, the media has long covered the. Um, the fire on the news, rather than the person, mm. you know, going to help a nonprofit uh, food food service or something, it, they they like that attention. That's what gets clicks. That's what get eyes on the television. So
2: because I think when you're talking about the media, you have to include Fox News because they're a very popular. One. Oh, absolutely. And so what I see a commonality between all of the TV news outlets and most. Um, newspaper reporting, too, is a bias towards sensationalism. And so if something is, like, um, going to upset people, then they want to put it on there. Yeah. And uh, it's, um, it's well, I was just thinking, I was just, um, I'm a podcast guy. So Bernie Sanders went on Joe Rogan's podcast and talked to him for an hour about all of his policies. And uh, I found some very interesting policy distinctions in there where I, um, it actually, like, really disappointed me the way that he lacked to respond to critiques of some of his policies and decreased my confidence in him as a candidate. And um, when I went to see what the media reported on, at the very end, in the last two minutes, Joe Rogan made a joke about, hey, so tell me one last thing. If you're going to become president, if there are aliens, are you going to let us know about that? And Bernie was like, oh, yeah, totally, I'll let you know. He wanted to end it on a light note. It was it a was serious conversation. He wanted to end with a gag. Joe Rogan is a comedian, so yeah. they just kind of wanted to end it with uh, the laugh. And so the media is like, Bernie Sanders says that he, he's going to report if the government's working on aliens. And I'm like, you missed the whole point where he talked about the working wage and Medicare for all and gun control and all these things. It. it, it it's like, come on, that's what you're going to put out there, but that, you know that's, that's well, what we and, have.
0: And it plays back into the fact we 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 need not let ourselves forget the reason that they're existing. These media resources mm-hmm. uh, is to make money. Yeah. I don't care what side of the political aisle they fall. Their purpose is to make money. Now, I do think that the second purpose, after making money, the second purpose is to, it's become more and more of persuade and mm-hmm. uh, accomplish my agenda, whatever agenda that may be. And I think that's part of our problem is that a lot of people are not, have, have, aren't willing to either recognize that, whether it's listening to Fox News or whether it's listening to CNN Uh, or any of the newspaper print that you have to recognize there is there's a there's an agenda under here there's Probably twofold: make money, and then I'm. Then we want you to think the way we think, and we want you to believe the way we decide we're going to. want you to believe. Mm-hmm. So we're going to print and put things in there in a way that will accomplish our mission. I, th- I
1: think the media in general, and I use that as a large umbrella term, media, is in a growth phase or a transition phase, and we're just not sure what to think of it yet. I mean, if you go back to the Cronkites, we took the news as this is factual, um, not biased whatsoever. Now, but that was all the information we could get was, you know, that evening news or that morning newspaper. Now we can get, I can, I can pick up my phone and tell you, if, if, if you're lying to me, I'll know in 30 seconds, right? I can Google it from my phone. So we're surrounded by information 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and so, and I think in my opinion, that's a good thing. Uh, Tyson and I being able to put on this podcast and have information available to everybody is a good, positive thing, but it's a transition that we are getting used to learning. We have to double-check. We have to triple-check this information. Anybody can put their opinion out anytime they want to, and so you need to verify. Uh, where we, In the past, we didn't have to do that. So it's a learning curve for the public to learn how media is working today. All
0: right. You talk about reference to Google. When people say, oh, I can Google it and find the answer, well, mm-hmm. the first 10 responses you may get... In- on Google from a particular question will see all seem remarkably the same, but you have to get down to beyond that first page and look at additional postings and information right. to probably get to the actual. Real hard fact,
2: and, what and not a see.
0: commentary, and just yeah. a reverberate, uh, uh, you know, reiterating what other people have said.
2: And what you see on Google will differ from what I see on Google if you use your own device because mm-hmm. it tracks your history and what you're interested. That's why you should yeah. ask Jeeves?
1: He's still around. <laughs> I don't know.
2: That guy's dedicated. <laughs> um, actually, a tip for people: um, I found this out recently on your, on, at least on an Apple iPhone, you can set your browsing to private, and then it won't store your browsing history, and that way. Um, if you search for news, it'll give you more, like, a more diverse perspective on your news. Um, I, I try it out sometime where I um, I look at I I put Google News on in my non-private one and then compare what comes up in my private one and I get a lot more, like. Breitbart and Fox News stuff on my on my private one and gives me a broader range of things that are going on. Um, the private one upsets me more because it challenges me more to maybe what everything I know is wrong. Right, it's just an uncomfortable feeling.
0: Yeah. I, if you can challenge yourself to look not at the first two or three sources that you see as a report on something, but to actually dig down to the seventh, eighth, which is. It's sad that we have to go that far. Yeah. But you're right. We no longer have the, the Cronkites of the world. When the when, and, and believe it or not, you're looking at someone who I would watch Walter Cronkite. Yeah. Yeah. I listened to him growing up. Um, but but they reported they reported facts, and 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 not the commentary and the. Things that were put on, so we have lost that. There tends to be, it seems, over and over again, less reporting of facts than trying to frame whatever the issues are into a into a messaging. And I don't want to look to my news sources as messaging. I want to look to them to find the factual information about what's happening. I
1: always try to find the, the person. I'm, I'm I fail miserably. I always try to find <laughs> I always try to find the person that's on the television, regardless of channel that doesn't put any of their opinion into whatever they're reporting. And it's not possible on Fox exactly. News, on MSNBC, on CNN, on, on local stations even. You can tell their bias is coming through in some
0: form. Well, uh, they're so. all commentators anymore. That's right. They're not news reporters. Yeah. They're not investigative reporters. Uh, I think many of them may use that title and use it disingenuously because I don't. I, what I'm hearing from them is not investigative reporting. It's commentary.
1: I'll say TV is the worst. Cable news is the worst. But... Mm-hmm. Uh, but and I and I'm not and this we're, I think we're sounding like we're being very uh, <laughs> negative towards the media and there are some great especially locally if we want to pull it back locally some great there are some local great reporters. opinion pieces in the Panograph sometimes <laughs> 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 Justin was in there too no. <laughs> but but it's opinion and, and I mean that's yeah. that's okay because I label it as an Thank opinion um, but we do have some great local reporting that goes on I know uh, Panograph has some great reporters um, that put out some great stuff sometimes GLT JBC we do have some good stuff out there but we regardless of whether you think it's biased or not second check double check it uh, verify it and make sure that it that it's not biased in, in, in a,
0: in a I, I I feel like I can speak somewhat honestly to that I used to be a news reporter on radio back in oh, the day right. okay and uh, but it was local local news local events yeah. and so but you did you had to do it was hard work you had yeah. to to dig and talk to people face to face and and that's not The trend, it seems like, too much anymore. So I commend you guys for doing the hard work of getting people to come and actually have good discussions. That's very commendable.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Well, something you you said, too, I wanted to come back to, um, to try to find points of agreement, too, because we can argue about disagreements all day. But (laughs) um, I think we, um, I don't know, I guess it probably upsets people more that we don't challenge or push or argue with people. But, again, I feel like we have that in spades. If you want to see... you know, disagreements between right and left, you can go anywhere you well, want. But we'll
0: have policy discussion, and that certainly can feel free to have policy discussion.
2: But I, I think something else you said really resonated with me, that we we need to really try to resist the urge to just be against the other side, mm-hmm. because I honestly don't see as many uh, Republicans as Democrats as I see anti-Democrats and anti-Republicans, where when you when you hear the the... The commentary and the issues, and you hear people speaking passionately about it. They're really just saying the other side is really wrong and, or immoral or, or hateful, and I don't like them. Um, but that doesn't mean that you're right. It just means maybe you've identified things that are wrong about the other person, right? Um, and uh, and so, like, all of us having a reminder to resist that inclination in both our media consumption and also like in the way that we. Like, decide on our policies, you know. It, it, I think there'd be a lot of good that would come out of that.
0: I've actually had a little bit of a, a chiding by some of my, a couple of my Republican um, and people involved in the party that I'm, I'm turning the Republicans into a warm fuzzy thing (laughs) (laughs) but
1: but, but who who doesn't like warm and fuzzy
0: (laughs) i I, I just i i I said you know i feel the uh the the ability to open conversations with people if you start with with a smile and and a welcoming attitude you get a lot farther down the road in discussing and exchanging ideas i do find that that at the same time um as wise as a fox, as gentle as a dove, wise as a fox, something like that. You you still have to have... Uh, now, in today's day and age, you you have to be willing to be somewhat guarded about accepting at face value what everybody's telling you, Mm -hmm. Um, because sometimes, you know, people will tell you what they think you want to hear, and you have to go and check and look at the actions. That's why I think actions speak volumes, and people can tell me all the time that they want to do this, and they want to do this, but if I look back and see the track record of an individual and say, let's see what you've actually Done has it matched your words, or even some cases, I have, I, I try to avoid labeling someone that. Well, that's going to come. I, I can already predict what's going to come out of you. That's a disservice mm-hmm. to do have that kind of attitude. Yeah. To in order to be able to give them a chance to show that maybe what I'm hearing them say is not truly what they're t- planning to act on or to do. It, it's it.
1: That's that's the game though, it, right? It is, that, 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 it is. That's part of politics, and that's no. the game. They everybody that gets involved plays. No. I think that I actually had this thought earlier this morning that anybody, I think anybody that starts to get into politics really appreciates. I'm going to call it a sport. Like really appreciates the sport of politics. But that being said, I think most people that go to work, you know, eight nine hours a day, go home, don't have time to do maybe what we do. Hate that part of it and just want to see stuff get done. Um, they don't necessarily identify as a Republican or as a Democrat or as anything. They just want, you know, their Tawanda Barnes for a county issue to be fit, to be to be nice and smooth, right? Or that, the water
0: mains running, or the, fixing you not know, right. leaking, leaking, or, or my yeah. taxes mm-hmm. keeping as low as we can? Or and, all, and all I, those and issues. I, and, I, and
1: I think that when you're involved in the sport in whatever fashion, as a party or as an elected official or as just someone that likes to talk about it once every couple of weeks on a podcast, it's hard to remember that most people don't care about that part of it. They care about the end result. And and the end result gets done when you kind of let the guard down of being a Democrat, Republican, libertarian, and come together and have those conversations. So um, warm and fuzzy can be good. We don't always have, we don't have to be cold (laughs) and and, and that all the time. So
2: it sounds to me like um, there's a, there's a phrase from the Bible to meek will inherit the earth. And uh, there's a, uh, to call him a motivational speaker, I guess you would call him, uh, called Jordan Peterson, who I really like. And he talked about how, when he at first that didn't make sense to him because how we use meek is like someone who is like timid and powerless, kind of like
0: a footprint, uh, a doormat that you yes, walked over. Yes, yes, anyone
2: funny. can just do whatever you want to them. And it's like, wait, mm-hmm. how, how does that that doesn't really seem to be like those people don't tend to do very well? Like, how then, um, I, I've not verified this, but it, it makes. It's, it, what he says when he went back to look at the origin of the word, like a, she, a meek could be used to refer to a sheathed sword. Mm-hmm. And so meekness is not like a, a lack of power. A meekness is having power but being constrained and in control of when you use it. Mm-hmm. And so um, like being nice to people, it, but if you have the ability that when push comes to shove, like you're not going to move me from this thing. Like you we can work together but i'm only going to move as far as i want to my principles will allow yes you have your, pr- your you don't You're firm in your, sacrifice principles, your principles and you can be kind around that but like to have that like strength of conviction to you is vital and so um, you know, the, if that's what the warm and fuzzy is, is you don't always have to be out waving your sword around trying to chop people down. <laughs> that's not what we need to do either, but it doesn't mean you don't have, you know, power in the situation. I, I don't know if that resonates with you at
0: Absolutely, all, because I think it, the reality is that if you strip, des- trip us, strip us down to basic principles, I don't think there's very little difference. I think we truly... Want to have our families, our children grow up in a safe environment. We want them to be nurtured. We want them to. We want to have uh, a, a, a good work environment where we can be have satisfaction and and a sense of accomplishment. Work is good. Mm-hmm. Work is good. And so to be able to have a a, a good job that not doesn't necessarily have to pay a lot, but we gain satisfaction from it. There, there, there I use shows as just an example. So I think there's I many principles that we can all say. Those are good principles. Mm-hmm. How we accomplish those, the method, methodology we use to ensure those principles are lived out, that's where the differences come. And that's where we exchange ideas and hope to try to come up with the right plan. And that means we need, we've got to talk. We've got to have conversations. Yeah,
1: We need to find a way to get that back. We are about uh, halfway point, so we're going to take a quick break just so we can hear from another one of our sponsors. And we'll be back in just a minute with Connie Beard. want to take an opportunity to thank our other sponsor, which is Normal Gadgets, located at the same space, 802 South El Dorado Road in Bloomington, as Play Normal Esports. People think of them as fixing their iPhone screen or their phone screen, but they do so much more. Gaming systems, laptops, PCs, monitors. If you have a problem with an electronic and you need a fix, come on uh, down to Normal Gadgets, and they will be sure to help you out. 802 South El Dorado Road, or you can call them at 309-379-8665. All right, we're back with Connie Beard, chair of the Republican Party from McLean County. Connie, this last uh, county cycle, the Republicans won some seats, lost some seats, maybe a few surprises in there. Talk me through what happened.
0: Well, that was my first uh, election as, as serving as chairman. So that was a little bit what I alluded to earlier, that I started off thinking we'd have a nice civil <laughs> election cycle, and then all of a sudden it broke wide open. Um, it was not uh, a very pleasant uh, process in some respects. I mean, there were some things happening on the campaign trails that were disconcerting. And so we worked hard at trying to help voters realize that they that there were things being said and done that just were not the kind of way the way that we would do politics here in McLean County. And trying to uh, a lot of money on the Democratic side was poured into that election cycle. Lots of money. Um, we weren't quite as fortunate to have quite the financial resources that the Democratic Party had. Uh, I actually was fairly pleased that we were able to get through that with, despite the, out being outspent, um, maybe you know, not about triple what we. Um, we were able to hold their—they'd gained two seats that were in districts that have traditionally swung back and forth, Republican and Democrat. So it wasn't breaking new ground. Okay. You know, it was just a cycle that uh, I could see they're coming back into the Democrat taking those seats. Um, I was—we we gained a seat that had been a, a Democrat seat before, um, and then we were able to hold on to the countywide seats that right. all that all that had all been challenged. So whereas uh, we—and then there was a third—another seat gained. But in the wash, they only really gained two additional votes. And so I felt, just considering how much additional money was spent uh, in that campaign— you know, delegating almost one hundred thousand dollars for a county campaign seems ridiculous to me.
1: Now, that's the first time that I remember, and I haven't been involved in that long. To be fair, uh, that Democrats have ever outraised Republicans in McLean County.
0: Well, it wasn't raising <laughs> in the county, though. But it, look at the funding.
1: I did, and, and I know and it, I know where you're going. Uh, there was uh, some grant money poured in um, through through some state uh, money or you know, state politicians. JB Pritzker's, has um, got some money in there, but take that out and they still outraise quite a bit um, so that's I mean and I'm not I'm not saying this in any I, I feel like the Republican this is a, as an outsider feel like the Republicans were probably taken back they weren't expecting that of course but um, but also, going back to my previous statement, I think Donald Trump, President Donald Trump probably had a big part of that um, to do with some people saying, I don't like the national scene. I'm going to donate to my local uh, party. That's the opposite of what I don't like to see on the national scene, if that makes sense. And it's
0: interesting that, that when you talk to people about what they want to have on the local level, I think most, a lot of people in McLean County do not see that there's been a big problem in how our gover- our county governing uh county board has been governing or how our county offices have been functioning. It wasn't as if there was a big outrage complaint about how our county boards were running. Um, So the fact that they would try to impact what was happening here to the negative because of what they were seeing on a national level just made, made little sense to me. And that's why coming back and saying, let's focus on how we can make sure our own county government is running. And that has more impact on our day-to-day life than really the national level. What, and the bottom line, it's it's it really has more of an impact what happens on our county board than it does what happens in the national level.
2: The what, county clerk race, in particular, it fascinated me how contentious that got. That was just um, I just kept watching in I think in shock about how how much I mean we had. Both candidates had cars with that were completely detailed. Um, nothing against hey, who does who have that? cars detailed. Uh, that, that was where it um, but, definitely was yeah. a
0: concentrated effort to try to unseat Kathy Michael, and mm-hmm. that's where at one point I, I stopped being warm and fuzzy yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> because there were some outrageous things being done um, by her uh, opponent that had to be called called out. Uh, to be going to public con- public presentations and saying that Kathy Michael was breaking the law and was uh, uh, suppressing voters was an absolutely outrageous thing to say. It's one thing to to discuss and want to say that we need to have a different policy and way we're handling it. But to make accusations against a, a fine can- uh, a county clerk... It was was not acceptable to me at all, and so I did call out and, and say, "This is you know we asked for an apology, the apology never came." But I said, "This is I called it out for what it was. It was just not being truthful on a campaign trail about uh, our county clerk."
2: And you see that neg- negativity continue to reverbi- reverberate too. It just came flaring up in the county board meeting um, with um, with when, when uh, Kathy Michael came to discuss the arrangements for isu and there was
0: With finance a, just recently yeah
2: yeah and there was like she had something in her in the materials that i it was circulating around about how you know if anyone is about wanting to take action against people accusing her of voter suppression and um you know the the and the conflict between the democrats on the board and her in this regard and um I am not familiar with the facts of the matter, so I'm not going to comment on that, but I will just say that the fact that there still continues to be conflict over the issue of, like, everyone wants to have the students be able to have a reasonable experience while they're voting and to have their votes counted, and so, like... The fact that the negativity led to more conflict on that issue, I think, is unfortunate.
0: Well, and the fact that the effort being made was to try to alleviate some of the concerns that were Mm-mm. taking place on the student voting. And yet, all of a sudden, that was not the thing to do, whereas those have been the very same things that have been called upon on the campaign trail two years before yeah. by, by the Democrats. So it, it is not – that does not create a very good uh, environment for having discussions on how to really solve solve problems, yeah, and uh, I don't know why this this modus operandi seems to be what they keep coming back to, rather than wanting to sit down and truly come with solutions. They try to throw labels and, and blame on something, as opposed to supporting the needed changes mm-hmm. to accomplish what they were wanting to do to begin with. So there was
2: clearly that race. Is there some? Are there, are there other places that stands out to you where there was? Um like inappropriate behavior or those underhanded tactics you're thinking of,
0: or is well, there were issues such, and I'm I, for the sake of the individuals and their own job situations, I'm not going to go naming names at this point. But mm-hmm. we did have one of our candidates who had uh, an opposition, a person from the Democratic Party, actually come to their workplace demanding that they be fired oh, wow. and putting them in, for 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 a posting. They did this, a posting that was done, and I, I cannot see the why in the world somebody would be to that extreme. But this individual was able to come and cause enough concern and, and uproar in the workplace that the candidate had to kind of back back and 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 and, and, and for fear of, of of being having repercussions in the workplace. That's not the kind of tactics we should be using in a campaign cycle. Not a, not here. <laughs> this is why you talk about alluding back to yeah. Chicago-style politics, and that's what I'm. Ta- that's that's what we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. So, um, what was what was your
1: biggest surprised um, result of that election? What race surprised you the most? Win or lose, just with.
0: I was, I was surprised. Um, I guess we were all kind of surprised uh, with, you know, that Ryan Scritchlow lost his district seat. Yeah. He's a good man. He makes, it was doing a fine job as a county board. And he's still involved and we're encouraging him to, to stay involved um, and hopes and see what happens may happen in the future He's not committing himself to anything yeah. but uh, Ryan worked hard. Ryan had a good was doing a good work on the board um, but obviously that's a case where there were some uh, campaigning on their part that was more successful than what we would have hoped for and want to take away lessons from of what happened there. Um, so I'm not, I'm not by any means saying every single, Democratic candidate was practicing. Yeah, no. You know, I don't want to say that. I'm not saying <laughs> that mean, at we, all. They were yeah. there was a lot of a lot of honest campaign work being done on the on the out in the campaign trail.
1: But it, and you alluded to earlier that you guys that the Republicans were set back on their heels heels a little bit just about the. the the amount of organization the number of volunteers the money the democrats for the in my eyes for the first time in a long time in mclean county came out firing wow. in, in all areas and there you can prepare yourself as much as possible but that first time it happens now, if it happens again the next cycle, people can blame you, Connie, and can blame all <laughs> kinds of people because you should expect it now, right? Well, but, that's true. But that first time, I think anybody would be put back on their heels a little bit and be like, where did this come from? And I think that's fair.
0: Well, and I, and I do think that it's it's a, it goes back to the the overwhelming push by, by a well-financed Democratic Party, which now the state of Illinois— you know we have a, a pretty well-financed Democratic Party, and so when you've got the money to push in behind a campaign, it is challenging to ask uh, to, to to shift gears from what was traditionally more of a knocking on the doors, talking to people, kind of campaigning, to now using some higher-end resources that cost money to do television commercials in a camp, in a county race please I, I, you know that why are we why are we feeling but, but, but unfortunately that's what ends up happening when somebody's got the funds to be able to come in and persuade uh, an electorate um, that there is concern that it could have been a big enough push that it, it, it could have made a difference I'm, I'm, I'm glad I can rest in the re- Republican Party of McLean County and the Republican voters that they weren't going to let that happen but um, but it was it, that in a case that was an eye opener because we're not going to have, honestly, we're not going to have the financial resources that the Democrats have. I mean, we've been blessed with some good fundraising this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, we're working hard on that, uh, mm-hmm. and as we move forward, but we don't have a billionaire in our pocket. We don't have big. Unions that are able to divert money from Chicago to come down into this into this county, and we know that the state state level party has put McLean County on their bullseye. You know they want to flip McLean County like they did Champaign in the 2018 election. Champaign flipped completely from red to blue. Well, that's what they want to do with McLean County. So to say that I'm on my guard, absolutely. To say that I, I have I've, I'm shifting into a, a more of a general attitude about and uh, in, in, in coming to battle, um, absolutely. Um, to hope we can to still do this with with a, a decorum and civility and being polite and and and, and having honest discussions with one another uh, in exchange of ideas. I, I'm hopeful, but I'm also knowing that the other the other side could flip, and we have to be prepared for that.
2: It's, it's kind of funny you mentioned um the ryan ryan scritchlow's uh campaign because i actually i actually managed uh, sharon chung's campaign mm-hmm.
0: okay. <laughs> so
2: i appreciate the compliment all right well. um, so but uh but there was a temptation in that to go negative and there were some people who were advising me to do that and i really put my foot down you know back to the being meek comment right like to think i'm a nice guy but that wasn't a place that i was willing to go as a campaign manager and so you know i was like if that's the direction that we're gonna head with this then you can find someone else to manage it i'm not gonna tell anyone how to you know how the proper way to do it um because uh i've never met anyone you know like ryan is like he said ryan's a good person trying to do hit what he what he believes is right and uh He's have a history given back to the community, and I didn't see any point, and we weren't going to get anywhere by tearing him down, you know. Um, let's just show what a good person, uh, what a good candidate Sharon Chung is, get her in front of people, get her to talk to people, and then they can make their decision, and i um, happy it went that way.
0: And that <laughs> is how the process should work. That is how the process should work. We should yeah. be able to provide opportunities for the voters to get to know the, the candidate, to hear their ideas, and not muddy it up with a bunch of things that are that are. You know, negative. When you've got two candidates, I'm, you know, my my son Jacob Beard is on the county board, and he ran a campaign against uh, an an incumbent Democrat. That it was a well-run campaign on both sides. Uh, I was commend her for her way she handled the campaign, and I was proud of my son. He did not. There was no need to get into negative issues about uh, personality or background or or interest or, or, you know, any anything else. You just keep It on the issues. You keep it on letting me meet the the candidate face to face and hearing what they had to say Mm -hmm. and make the decision, and not muddy it up with all the other stuff that goes on. I wish. I wish we could all agree to do it that way. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and it's hard, I too wish if... we could
0: all agree to do it that way. Yeah, I
2: mean, when one side starts it, then you kind of got to respond, right? It's almost like a mutual assured destruction type situation. So. Well,
0: and that is part of the, the, the shame because that the accusations that are thrown out, whether it's on the national level, whether it's on the state level, or whatever, you live in a climate where people, that, that if you don't say anything, then you're considered that, well, it must be true if you're not willing to, to step up and say something to it. Yeah. So I mean, I the challenge is and, trying to step up and say something to it in a way that doesn't keep fueling the fire. And that that takes a little bit of finesse and a little bit of skill to do that.
2: Yeah, I understand that as being part of Trump's appeal to conservatives, feeling like for so long there have been accusations of... You know, racism, sexism, bigotry thrown at the party, and then it's refreshing to have somebody who will
0: unabashedly defend what their perspectives are. I, and, I'll, and I hear a lot of labels being thrown, and see very little evidence to back the the labels up. Mm-hmm. If you can, if you can have evidence to prove malfeasance or you know illegal activity or immoral activity and have evidence, hard evidence, and not just a quote of a quote of a quote. I, 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 you get tired of, of seeing people post something on Facebook and, and say, oh, well, this is the truth, and you say, well, how do you know that? Well, because they said this, and they, the, how do they know that? Well, because they read it here, and, and they read it here, and all they're doing is reiterating the same information over and over that started, and not really getting to the source of the actual truth in fact, it's not easy. <laughs> I, I, I think Facebook is a, a curse more than sometimes a blessing because it just it can muddy the waters and throw things in our faces that we don't want to deal with. Yeah. But so
1: looking forward, we talked about the last election cycle. What are some races looking forward that you think are going to be key races for the local GOP to put focus
0: on well of course they haven't officially announced mm-hmm. what they're doing and who they are um, I, we have got some very fine Republican candidates that are coming back on the on the ballot for varying positions the um, Don Knapp is state attorney doing a fine job and, and he's smart and prepared um, they we have um, Don Everhard is, is our Uh, Clerk has done a fine, a fine man, just a fine man who's done really good work. Um, He's up for re-election, county coroner. Kathy Yoder, who's been a very good county c- coroner. She has shown great compassion and moved in education and, and working with uh, uh, opioid abuse and, and such.
1: She's really taken up that cause. She's done a good job yes. of getting that information out there.
0: Yes, yeah, so she's coming up for re-election. Um, and, of course, some several of our county board members that are coming up for re-election. So I, don't, I can't say that there's going to be one right now at this stage that's going to be... More uh, combative than the other. It, well, we'll see. Tw- September third is when petitions can start being circulated for people serving on the county seats. So, will that that'll start to sell, uh, tell did, the tell tale?
2: Did um, I just heard someone come out as a primary opponent to somebody. Is it was it Brady? Bill Brady? Uh, oh, David, David, David
0: Blumenshine Blumenthal
2: yeah. against Dan. Yeah, David, Dan Brady.
0: Against Dan Brady. Okay. Yeah. Yes, they're there. Okay. That he's done that before.
2: So, I guess you got to get through that round of. Primary contenders for those established yes, and I, and I know both well the too.
0: men and and, and 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 consider both of them fine men. That and and I'm this is one case where I am grateful in a way that the bylaws of the Republican Party preclude the chairman from uh, having um, you know um, endorsing okay. a candidate before the primary. Yeah. Whew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am happy to have that, be in that position right. because I, I, it's up to the voters. I do would not want to use a position as chairman to try to influence the Republican voters in trying to decide who they want to have as their representative.
1: I think that just that race in particular, because I mean they, they ran against each other the last cycle as well, is a good is a good segue to talk about what we touched on earlier. The um the spectrum of what a Republican is today, mm. um, and it's in every party. Uh, spectrum of Democrats is very was <laughs> very wide as well. Um, so what do you how, as, as your role as chair? How do you bring that together? Because I mean, you you have the far far right, you have the moderate right. You probably have some independents that are Republicans that wouldn't call mm. themselves that, but still you want to influence them and vote for and have them vote for your, your candidates. So, how do you bring that together in a peaceful way?
0: <laughs> I, I, I find that having been a mother helps a lot. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. It is, that. and I don't want to, degra- you know, not not meaning to demean our, our members of a Republican party, but you do have people with, with wide, diverging ideas within a given party. And to help them come together and recognize that we have enough things that are common that we should be working together to support those principles and agree to disagree on the fringe elements that, that may differ from one. You're never going to find a candidate that you can agree with 100%. You're never going to find an elected official that votes 100% of the way that you agree with. Mm -hmm. So why should we try to wait until we think we're going to find somebody that's perfect in, in our way of thinking, knowing that there's other members of our party that they're not going to think they're necessarily perfect either, but there's enough common ground that we should we should should support them, what, and it's it is a challenge.
1: What I see a lot more that more than oftentimes, I think from my experience, Republicans ideally believe the same thing. Democrats ideally believe the same thing. It's it's the statements like "you're not conservative enough" or "you're not on the other side," you're not liberal enough. Um, I, what, how does that? How do you manage that? Because I mean, I'll use I'll use a Republican issue of um, you know, let's say gun control. Um, You might have a Republican, moderate Republican that says, "Yes, I believe in the Second Amendment. I want to do this." However, you know, bump stocks that was an issue. So you know, let's go ahead and get rid of those. And then you might, nope, that's that's too far. You're you're you know, you're not conservative enough. You're not Second Amendment enough. How do you?
0: Well, I think sometimes we get into discussions and arguments about issues in regards to a particular candidate where that candidate really has no, will have no power over those issues <laughs> yeah. when they're elected. <laughs> the county coroner is not going to really be able to have much of an impact on stocks and gun yeah, control. in yeah, yeah. her role as county coroner. Um, so why do we waste our energies and time in trying to see, well, what is your position on gun control when that's never any part of their job description as an elected official that's what I'm trying to help republicans understand we don't we we, we don't need to have a litmus test that's that is you know not dealing with the very issues that they're going to be dealing with. Now, you know, it's a different opinion sometimes on things that are moving when you're moving up into the federal level, uh there's so many issues that are on the federal level that you can they can't have an impact. On the state level, they could have an impact. But on the county level, there's a lot of things that you can't have an impact on. So why are we worrying about their position um, now among the Republican Party? There are some issues that we would consider, you know, somewhat of a moral issue, um, such as as the the question of abortion, um, and that you kind of look at people and try that gives you an inkling of where they are in a moral stance, depending on what their position is on abortion. I find fewer and fewer people. Have, have are finding a footing where they can support abortion because of recognizing the whole issue of where life begins and are we really ready to to sacrifice that life when it when when it comes into play not we're going to talk about abortion necessarily here. I'm just using as yeah. an example sure. that you have people that have. Uh, so they, for some, they they would say that 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 has to be, that does have to be a litmus test because it's a moral issue. Just as you would not have someone who believed that uh, that they practiced you know polygamy, or they that they believe pedophiles were those were okay. You, there's some moral issues and moral stands you have to take. And it just so happens that the topic of abortion and the issue of abortion, which is placed so high in, on the, in the interest list, is also one of those things that helps kind of give you an idea of where the person is morally um, and what their moral stand is. So there's still some gray area in there, obviously. Uh, I'm not saying I have all the answers on that, but I'm just saying that, that yeah. it becomes a, 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 a how you navigate through that It goes back to taking it candidate by candidate and and office by office. So let's have a discussion about this candidate and this office, and let's push the rest of it away. Mm -hmm. Okay? We'll discuss this. We'll come to an agreement of this. Okay, good. We've made that decision. Now, let's move on to the next candidate and the next office. Rather than trying to determine a blanket answer that's gonna be a blanket of application to every single candidate and every single office, that's where we start we, we, we fight these big battles up here rather than dealing with the need to come into a decision and an understanding in the in, in the specifics. Well
2: and I think also too, it's not just the answer To me, it's not just the answer that people come to, it's also the principles that they're using and the thought process they're using to get there. Mm -hmm. And so if somebody says, um, I would like welfare to be removed, okay, uh, why? Well, because I think that um, the strong get to keep all their money and the weak deserve to die. Okay, that's not a good position.
0: <laughs> I would agree okay. on that one. I okay,
2: so then uh, what, you take welfare away. Okay, well, I believe that private charities would be more efficient and effective at addressing needs than government funding would be. Okay, so we're both coming from the principle that it's the responsibility to take care of the poor. Yes. All right, cool. So we can build up from that. We can have a conversation, you know. Um and that's why you have to be able to have dialogue and actually let people express their thoughts because it's not just the end result, right? Um Someone who's in favor of abortion because they're just like pro death and you know want to get rid of as many babies as possible. <laughs> it's like no,
0: that's a poor principle to build. There's a, not even a place in the political
2: it. conversation for that. You well, know? that's
0: really it goes back to what we kind of talked about earlier as we began that the importance of understanding what the principles of their candidates are yeah. and trusting that that if their, your principles align, you can work through the other things. You can work through it if you have an, a If you're willing to be honest and understand that the way you want it to happen may not always be the best way and always be the way to go. You have to be willing to. That's why when candidates, when people are put into office, I may not agree 100% with their vote, but I I know that I, I believe in their principles that they are operating by and will allow them... You know, grace, if you will, uh, to be able to make decisions that they have to make in the day in and day out of their office mm-hmm. and know that the that the overriding goal that they have is to fulfill that principle.
1: I'll tell you, I'll, I'll use an example um, of Dan Brady, Representative Brady. I don't always agree with, with him and his votes, but... Um, but, he, one, he is a very accessible person. Obviously, that's a, that's, that's a joke now how accessible he is. He's everywhere. I think there's two of them. But you right. <laughs> but he, I've, I've asked to talk to multiple elected officials multiple times about multiple issues, and his office is the only one that always gets back to me and always says mm-hmm. yes, um, knowing that I might be going in there to disagree with him on an issue or, or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, we need more of that attitude. Um uh, and maybe more of Dan Brady, so he could be more places. But <laughs> uh, that, that's that's really what I that's what I respect about him. Mm-hmm. Even mm-hmm. though we disagree on issues and we can disagree on policy, um, he's always there to listen and he's respectful. Um, I mean, I've gotten so many emails back from his office to say we appreciate you, your point of view. We're not taking that up this session. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> but 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 I appreciate the listening. I appreciate I appreciate that. So and
0: uh, that's that's a, a key step toward improving the communication all the way around. Right? It's just yeah. to be able to be willing to listen to someone and acknowledge that they have a point of view right. that's worth hearing because as individuals as human beings we all have value. Every one of us. I don't care if it's somebody that I'm totally opposed to politically there still is an individual of value because of course as a believer I believe God in God's God's creatures and we're created of God and, and he pres- He loves us so why? how can I not love somebody else Um, I've said Mm -hmm.
1: said this on the podcast before uh, under different circumstances, but wherever someone's coming from is very real to them. Mm So regardless of their political nature, if, um, you know, if I believe I'm going to use an extreme example of abortion because you just did. But if I Mm -hmm. believe abortion is 100 percent OK, the reason I believe that is coming from somewhere Mm -hmm. And it's. I think it's important to hear that out from that person because it's very real. Or mm-hmm. if I feel healthcare should be universal, universally paid by the government, like that's because it's affected me or someone I know in some way that's so strong that I need to express that. Mm-hmm. And the same with the opposite side. If I feel there's zero need forever to have an abortion, that need is coming from somewhere. Um, so we have to realize that people's thoughts and their words are coming from a place that's real to them. They're not just. Hopefully, they're not just saying it for the sole purpose of upsetting the other side. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's coming from somewhere that's a sincerely mm-hmm. held belief. That mm-hmm. they're held, present, that's yeah. A, yeah, that's a held belief that they understand.
0: I have an overriding concern that the next, the next, the generation, beyond, lower than me, <laughs> having come up, um, have come up with a climate in, in, through the university training of being confrontational rather than communicating on, on, a, on an even plane with open ears and open hearts, that there seems to be just this idea of, of if you're not agreeing with me, then here's the hand, Good. I don't want to hear anymore. I'm going to slam the door in your face. I see that so many, so much on the campuses across the country, that there's not a willingness to say there. There could possibly be other ideas. There could possibly be other solutions and other answers to this. And that when you're talk, talking about over looking at, at, at a concern politically, even of course that flows into that because you have people who will not be willing to let politicians, or candidates have a uh, you know a say and a listen to. Them. Them because they they came out of this mentality that it's you know if you're not on my side that you are on the other side and there I'm gonna close the door to you yeah uh, mm-hmm. and it, whatever political persuasion there may be mm-hmm. uh, it's uh, unfortunately. If you look, I think statistically, there's so many uh, of the Democrat influence, so much of the Democrat influence in the universities that that tends to be the number that comes out strongest is the not wanting to listen to the other side, but closing the door and putting the hand up, and until we get until we get ready,
2: yeah, it takes two to tango. So like, uh, if. if, if people just aren't learning how to have those conversations, regardless, again, regardless of who starts it, neither side is learning how to constructively have a conversation. Right,
0: because um, the response becomes if well, if you're going to put your hand up, then I'm going to do what I can to bash yeah, it back down. Right, yeah, you're, it just becomes a fight. So where at are that we? Getting, how, how, yeah. how are we getting forward? Mm-hmm. So yes, there's a mistake to to always be bashing, trying to bash it through, always try mm-hmm. to kick the door in. And that's a wrong tactic. Yeah, uh, but we we've got to try to do something to to minimize that.
1: I agree with. You. Oh. I wanted to move into um, what your thought is as a leader of the Republican Party, local Republican Party on municipal nonpartisan elections. This is something that we talked to Steve Cease about and we hope to talk to uh, Chair Rankin about when we get him on. Uh, they're they're nonpartisan by nature. There's not an R or D or L by their name on the ballot. Um, obviously, well, you talked about um, some moral stands before, and there's probably some of those no matter who you're voting for. Uh, but where does the party stand? The Republican Party stand on getting involved in
0: those? Well, we in our particular community, they are the municipal elections are nonpartisan. I mean that's not like written in stone for the whole country that's supposed to be. No, M- many right. many places are not. They are partisan. Um, I to be honest, I have the mindset that, that it's kind of somewhat of a disservice to say that these elections are nonpartisan people will vote on governing issues based on their political persuasion. To try to mask or diminish or say it doesn't matter, I think is a disservice to the voters. We've had many incidences where people running for a municipal election will present themselves as somewhat conservative voting you know, uh, representatives. And yet, if you were to really look into their voting record, if you really were to look into their past, you would see that, what their decisions and their and what their involvements were were far from conservative. But they know this is a this was a this is a fairly conservative community. So they want to latch onto that and they're able to avoid being identified for who they really are because they're labeled as nonpartisan. They don't have a an R or a D by their name. And I don't I think and and to me it's it's fair for both sides, you know, the Democrats ought to know who they're voting for and the Republicans ought to know who they're voting for. Because you still tend to choose people based on what you believe their ph- uh, philosophy is, what their policies are about how a governing body should function, what the role of a governing body. Doesn't matter whether it's county, state, federal or a local government you still have your basic philosophy that's going to be in place and what purpose those governments should be serving. And so that influences your vote and your decision process. So I think voters um, should have the ability to know whether their candidates that they're up for election, what their political affiliation is, because that gives you a, a clue as to what their voting and their policies are going to be and in, in serving. Uh,
1: to play devil's advocate at a local level that... I always say, you know, I, the voter, the the person that lives on, you know, I don't know Main Street doesn't care if their mayor or city council person is Republican or Democrat. They care about the pothole. They care about the sidewalks. They care about the sewer system. They care about those things. So, once you put an R or a D or, or any letter by their name at the ballot on the ballot. Are we then tying some of those national issues to that candidate? So should, should, should it matter if my city council person, what they care about, abortion? Um, and, and aren't we putting that in the voters' heads if we put the R and the D by their name instead of asking voting for them on their own merit of what they think the local issue would mean?
0: I agree that there's a danger in that. Truly, there is. Because human pe- n- humans are human. Mm-hmm. You know, the human nature will, will not always rise to the highest yeah. level. <laughs> so that, that will that will take place. Um, so it is a challenge to try to be able to communicate to the voters who they're really voting for. The the allusion, to, the reference to the potholes and, and such, it matters because of a Republican policy of minimal government and, and not, not getting involved in financing uh, sports complexes or coliseums or that putting our tax money into those areas, that's not where it should go. It should go into the potholes. And that kind of of approach to governance is like, why do we take on things that are not part of the mandate of the city council?
1: But could we ask that question directly instead of assuming it with a letter by their name?
0: Well, and that's where those questions are. Those hard questions haven't been really asked as much, which is why okay if if we're not if we don't take the step of actually making them a partisan elections and I'm not I, I highly doubt that that's going to take place, but that means that I feel that as Republican Party, we need to go ahead and and take in a responsibility of helping to educate the voters. One of the reasons we had the um, I had we had the, the the calling of the the city council town uh, no, town halls, but the opportunity for the city council candidates, both Bloomington and Normal, to come together at your breakfast at right? the breakfast yeah. where they could they could take their. Stand- and, and and introduce themselves and their basic principle, and then they can take questions from the room. Uh, we got a lot of good feedback from that.
1: Yeah, I've been to those breakfasts. They are held very well. And
0: I think I th- we're we, trying to be fair across the board. Invited everybody to, to take place and and not make sure it's 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 civil <laughs> and an encouraging environment. Um, and so that was kind of our one of our our ventures into doing the very thing that we've just been talking about, right. making voters aware. But I. I I feel like we we will need to take another step forward to do even more, primarily because some of the funding that you're talking about that comes into even the municipal elections now, that it, it makes it difficult for a, a, somebody in a neighborhood to say, well, you know, I'd like to serve on the city council, but this person over here has gotten funding from Democratic sources to be able to 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 be that. And um,
1: so you're saying. Uh, probably a more direct question would be as, as you, as chair, the Republican Party is willing to donate both money and resources to mm-hmm. a nonpartisan municipal race.
0: And we we, have, we did this last time. And in fact, we did it, I, we donated, uh, you know, we, I was very su- kind of supportive of even the Democratic candidate in the normal council, Karen mm-hmm. Smith. I thought she's I don't think she's been doing a good job. So it's not even necessarily the R or the D next to the name. It's one of the principles that they're going to run by. If we're not going to take the step of actually having partisan elections in the city municipalities, we need to take the step at least. Of helping out voters to be aware, and finding identifying the voters that we believe will best represent the principles that we as Republicans hold to about the role of government um, and support them and encourage them. I did get some you know, pushback on doing what we did this last year, saying, well, you're going to make it partisan election. I'm just seeing that there's a shortage of information out there. There needs yeah. to be more opportunities to hear what these candidates are doing. And so we're just stepping in to try to make that happen.
2: It's been a while since I looked at the actual ordinance. I think really all it boils down to is that the ballot can't show R and D on it. Um, the candidate can claim to be part of a sure. party. Um, the party can ex- can endorse candidates. I think that the candidate shouldn't claim the endorsement of the party. I think that would be an issue. Mm-hmm. Like if if person put out like I'm the I'm the Republican Party's pick. I think that that might go over the line. But I mean, um, one of the mayoral candidates. Uh, was it three years ago, had signs over town saying, like, you know, I'm a Republican and there isn't an issue with doing right. that. Right. And so um, people, I think there's some wiggle room f- within a nonpartisan framework to still do what you're talking about. Well, I think about. you could still
1: identify. I mean, Jeff Crable in the city of Bloomington came out very vocally as a Democrat Yeah. Um, when he ran. So I think th- that's okay to do. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: well, what I like about it is, like you said, on the normal council you saw – Kathy Lorenz, R.C. McBride, and Dave Shields team up, two Democrats and a Republican, that they were the ticket, the incumbent ticket, right? And then, because they were more aligned with their view of where the city should go. And then you had Karen Smith, who had, um, so at least when she was on the podcast, she um, identified with as a Democrat. And then Stan, who's more independent slash Republican, and then Carl Sela, who's um, like a-
0: Libertarian. Libertarian yeah. side.
2: So they all teamed up because they had a common view, right? And um, I guess I would worry a little bit if there were strong R's and D's all over the place that they might not have been able to come together as much along their unified vision. And they would have just had to fall into camps based on their party. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, w- if, if what you're saying is people who are political and they're going to come at it with a certain view of proper role of government, then... It helps me to know if a per, what party the person considers themselves to be a part of.
1: And I think it's a fair question to ask any candidate at any forum or, or town hall: Is are you a Republican or are you
0: a Democrat? I think it's yeah. a
1: fair question. And if
2: they reply back as nonpartisan, I can't tell you. Then I don't think that they're they're misunderstanding what the restrictions are. Yeah. I guess. Yeah.
0: Well, so, and yeah. they're not. They're 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 fearful. I don't know. I, I, it, the sad thing is that we've reached a point where people will be hesitant about. Saying who they really are, saying what they really align themselves with, mm-hmm. because we've created such a negative climate of of attacking and denigrating and smashing people because of what political pl- views they hold. Yeah, and that is that that's squelching and suppressing freedom of thought, freedom of speech, freedom of operating as a free society when we start. Saying well, you, we, you can't, you can't say that because even that's what you believe. You still can't say that.
2: Yeah, or someone, or on the other side, like you knock on someone's door and their first answer was, oh, "Are you a Democrat?" And then I, you know, the candidate says yes, and they slam the door in their face. Like, you know, let's try to get past that initial answer and <laughs> I agree, try I to hear why they're running for office and maybe you'll like a lot of things they have to say
0: and and, um, and then and both sides too because republicans yeah. face that same thing oh yeah you open the door you're Republic, oh just slam the door i, yeah. only, vote, I only vote democrat I, and I, so, I yeah
1: and definitely. even but back to that spectrum thing on one side i remember walking with josh barnett for his county board campaign uh, several years ago and it was what do you think of trump before Trump had won you know it was <laughs> I remember those coming up it's like well I, we're, can't we just they couldn't even decide if they wanted to listen to him because he was a Republican <laughs> they, they wanted to know how much of a Republican he was before they slammed the door in his face so I mean yeah. you get that admittedly, you get that
0: admittedly when you have a, someone as President Trump who is a, a, a colorful character <laughs> uh, that people want to form opinions about it's you, know, polarizing. you love him or hate him yeah. kind of thing um, and I was not a Trump supporter to begin with I truly wasn't I, he had to convince me he had to win me over, uh, but to be able to uh, let that be what colors every single political decision we make is 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 sad. That people yeah. are shortchanging themselves of the good, talented people we have in this community, um, and and uh, I just as the same thing as we have on the Democratic national plane, we've got. You know, a lot of strange opinions being thrown out there. So people are tending to want to lump Democrats all into that realm. Very much so. And I think that's a mistake, especially when we're talking about the day-in and day-out life that we have to live here in McLean County. I saw,
1: I saw I just to, this is kind of off topic, so I apologize. But at the last debate, um, how, how many Democrats started bashing Joe Biden for Obamacare was very surprising <laughs> to me. <laughs> I, I mean, probably one of the most loved, yeah. Demo- from the, as a Democrat, one of the most beloved Democratic presidents they've had. <laughs> in a while um, and a plan that everybody was touting as a success on the Democratic side and he is now getting punished for. So I have to say I'm very
2: jealous, jealous of the, um, at least from an outsider's view, of the, the Republicans being able to get behind the same message points and candidates. But like Democrats, it's like, I still hear people be like, oh, we would have won if Bernie was the candidate. It's like, dude, give it up. Like, it's <laughs> <tough>. <laughs> stop eating your own. Like, it, 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 It's like, everyone, people were against Trump as soon as he was the candidate. It no. was like, we're going to fall in line and we're going to win. And I was like, man, they got it need a little bit more of that.
0: Both parties so. can look back over history and pick out some per- periods of times when you think, that was not smart to play it that way. It really wasn't. Yeah.
2: yeah. Well, uh, we've done an hour and a half here. We only played an hour, oh. so thanks for, for taking that long. You guys do well
0: in having a conversation. Yeah. I appreciate the opportunity.
2: So to wrap up here, can you just let people know if, the, um, if they want to find out more about any things we discussed or what's going on with the Republican Party where they can find out more?
0: We have a website, www. Dot dot and we have a calendar tab that shows all of the things that we have coming up. We're excited about a, 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 a training on September 14th and this is open to anyone who would care to, to take advantage of it but the Leadership Institute is a... Um, group from Washington who have for many, many years done fine work in helping to train candidates. So we're going to be having an all-day workshop on the 14th, and that information is on our website, uh, helping if somebody thinks they'd like to maybe someday run as a candidate, this would be a good place to come because you'd either be scared straight and run away out the (laughs) door, or you decide maybe this is doable. and So it would be a good opportunity to come and learn more about what it means to enter into the political world and become a candidate. We'd welcome people to come by, so they can check out the website and find out more about that. Right. Um, we have all kinds of places we'll be in the next few weeks ahead, as, as the, and it's not even really campaign season yet. No, but we we won't. Uh, and you guys are on Facebook too,
2: right?
0: We are, we have a Facebook page that has uh, lively discussions, <laughs> uh, lively discussions that take place. We try to make sure it's civil and and uh, fair but uh, we invite people to check our McLean County Republicans on Facebook as well okay
2: and um, this would be whether someone's interested local state mm-hmm. national wherever their passions are they can come to you guys and you can try to help out oh, absolutely
0: if you go to our fa- if you go to our website especially there is a get involved tab where you can find out you can email me directly and be able to get information I, I'm always like I said it's been it's been very encouraging the last year to see all the new faces that are coming on we have about a third of our membership is all brand new this year. So yeah, I'm very, Good, yeah. very pleased with that turnaround. So okay,
2: moving forward well thanks a lot Thank you, uh, gentlemen. we'll just wrap
1: up with uh, another uh, pitch here for our, our generous sponsor yeah we want to thank Connie Beard, chair of the Republican Party for joining us today, Play Normal Esports Studio remember they have a Nintendo Switch they have Xbox, Playstation, PC games you can play anything uh, and everything under the sun here, prices are from one hour to eight hours, you can play for as little as $8 so check out their website PlayNormalEsports.com, thank them for their support of our podcast ok, we're done? Let's be done. All
0: right.
2: (laughs)